2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and
3: situations. I mean, listen, And we were two and six at one point. We were three and seven at one point, and you know there's a there's a time and a place where I felt like you know as you message message the football team it's you know our our goals were still in front of us even even back then you know and and look we were everybody in the division was chasing Tennessee I mean they were three four games ahead of everybody you know there for a long time and and I just had to to make sure that our guys understood that everything is still in front of us we just got to play one game at a time and, and just just focus on that one week and you know, if we did that, it would
1: give us an opportunity to, to be in week 18 for, you know, for all the, for all the last week,
2: Last year in week 18, the Jaguars were the spoilers for the Colts, keeping them out of the playoffs. This year, the Jaguars are in with a win. It's the AFC South championship game. It happens on Saturday night. I know Doug Peterson was a little irritated to find out his guys were going to have to turn around and play on Saturday night instead of Sunday because he used his guys for most, if not all, of the game against the Texans on Sunday. But, Peter, this is something. The Titans, the number one seed last year, they were 7-3 and three after beating the Packers at Lambeau Field on a Thursday night, and they haven't won since then. They are limping into this one with Josh Dobbs at quarterback who has been with the team for barely two weeks against Trevor Lawrence who has become – a franchise quarterback before our very eyes. It really is something, and to no surprise, the Jaguars are favored to win this game by six and a half points.
3: What's so interesting about this, Mike, is, and I did a lot of reporting last weekend on what the NFL might do and what they ended up doing. And you know what? It's it's unprecedented. You talk about... You know, we just spent the last segment talking about how it was unprecedented to have a a, a meeting to change playoff rules. Uh, you know, on the eve of the playoffs, <laughs> but it's really unprecedented when you think about it. What has happened uh, with with the with the airing of Game Two Seventy Two? The NFL chose Detroit at Green Bay for Game Two Seventy Two, even though. There is what the NFL always has wanted in Game 272. A championship game of a division with one team making the playoffs and the other team going home. That has always been what the NFL has put on when possible in Game 272. Well, for a while it was Game 256 in a 16-game season, but Now it's obviously with the 17-game season, it's game 272. And I'll tell you why this happened. And probably a lot of people can figure out why. The Tennessee Titans basically have fallen off the edge of a cliff. And they're playing a quarterback who's been on their roster for 10 minutes in this game. It's just nobody could foresee what has befallen the Titans, obviously, not winning a game, you know, for so long in in, you know, over a month and how bad that they've looked particularly recently with the injuries and with some terrible play at quarterback. And that's why they did this even though the Detroit Lions could be out of it by the time the games are played on Sunday night. I understand Doug Peterson's frustration about this. He's got a quarterback who needs an extra day you know, of rest and rehab. He's not going to get it, but he need he has a quarterback, and I'm sure that each team has players who could use that extra day. But the fact is the NFL did not want to put on in its showpiece game a game that, uh, you know, first of all, might not be a very good football game, and secondly, when you have the Aaron Rodgers win-and-in option on the other side of it. And it really is amazing to think one year later, the Jaguars
2: are in the position to punch their ticket. And the irony would be if they would lose at home to a division rival a year after beating the Colts to keep them out, the Titans beat the Jaguars and keep them out. But I agree with you, Peter. based upon the way both teams have been playing lately, this one should not be close. And it's one of the reasons why it's not nearly as attractive as Lions Packers on Sunday night. Patriots Bills We've talked about this one at length. The Bills are seven-point favorites. Now that we know that DeMar Hamlin is doing well, we we heard from Josh Allen earlier. And I know that that it's winning in for the Patriots for the number seven seed, but my goodness. talk Talk about the Patriots walking into a very difficult spot here. Is there going to be anyone in America who isn't a hardcore patriots
3: fan rooting for new england in this game <laughs> first of all nobody outside of the six state region that is new england usually roots for them anyway i mean they yes, they do have some fans point. but i you know uh, around the country they do have some but uh, obviously but i just think you talk about you know rooting interest I think, I mean, I can't imagine anybody who just has even a passing interest in this game not rooting for the Bills hard in this game. And you know, Mike, this occurs to me, thinking about you know the way New England has played, especially recently, and their defense has at times really risen to the challenge. I think one of the big keys in this game, once we get over the emotion, but one of the big keys in this game is that, The Patriots, particularly, um, you know, in rushing the passer, you know, they're averaging three-plus sacks a game. They're in the top five in the NFL in quarterback pressures. And, you know, they have done a really good job in holding down the passing game. And, And obviously, that is a combo platter, okay? It's a combo platter that, in essence, is... You know, pass rush plus pass defense. And that is what has benefited the Patriots so far this year. Now, they've got some injuries, obviously, on defense now. Everybody's got injuries in Week 17. So I don't know how it'll go, but I think their hope is keeping the score down and playing this game the way Bill, Bill Parcells used to play a long time ago. When he would tell Ron Earhart, his offensive coordinator, to play clock ball. Keep the ball away from the Buffalo Bills in that powerful passing game. Jets and
2: Dolphins get together in Miami. The Jets had gone from a one point favorite to now the Bills, or to the Dolphins, excuse me, favored by two. The Dolphins are the seventh seed if they win, and if the Patriots lose to the Bills, Skylar Thompson at quarterback most likely. For the Dolphins, Teddy Bridgewater has a pinky issue. Tuatango Bailoa is still in the concussion protocol. Mike Glennon, of all people, now on the roster, backing up Skylar Thompson. You know, the Jets just feel like they're in disarray, Peter. This would be a great way for them to cleanse the palate going into the offseason if they could knock the Dolphins out. Of course, it may not knock the Dolphins out if the Patriots would win, but given what we feel about the Bills and the Patriots, the door seems to be open for the Dolphins here.
3: I mean maybe Mike but uh, is Skyler Thompson going to score be able to put up 17 or 20 points in this game? I mean he's in his limited play so far he's been a 54% passer. He's going to play an absolutely voracious defense that look I, I who knows what a team's motivation is going to be when uh, when they're out of it. But in my opinion Skyler Thompson against the Jets defense is not a recipe for Miami success. So look, I think if Mike White can have minimal success. By the way, you've just shown the one Skyler Thompson highlight of this year. <laughs> you know, I think he's got one touchdown and three or four interceptions. I'm not positive, but you know, he just—I I just playing Skyler Thompson in this game would not inspire me to go put $5 on the Miami Dolphins this weekend.
2: When Skylar Thompson faced the Jets earlier this year, that was close in the fourth quarter until the wheels kind of came up for the Dolphins and the Jets got touchdown, touchdown, turnover, et cetera. And it got to a final score that looked worse than the game was. One last point, folks in Pittsburgh will be rooting for the Bills and the Jets because if both teams win and the Steelers beat the Browns, the Steelers somehow inexplicably after starting two and six become the seventh seed in the AFC that would be something if that's ultimately what happens all right we're going to take a break NFC games with playoff implications we'll review those and prepare you for them next here on PFT Live
3: we're all excited you know we're all excited to see him back to see him doing his thing you know uh, he's locked in for sure you know, he, he, he definitely has a tempo about him today, uh, even in the walkthrough. You know, he was, tell, he was telling guys to come on, hurry up, you know, get going, you know. Uh, so uh, I'm glad, glad he's back. You know, he's still crafting. He's still, you know, not going to rust off. Well, I think he'll be fine coming on Sunday.
2: Eagles receiver A.J. Brown on the return of Jalen Hurts to practice. He's missed two games with a shoulder injury, suffered against the Chicago Bears. And Peter... The Giants are locked in as the number six seed. The Eagles need a win to finally nail down the division title and the number one seed. And I thought about something you said last week as it relates to the 2007 regular season finale and John Madden called Tom Coughlin because the Giants played tough, even though it didn't affect their playoff status at all. It was 38 35. They tried to keep the Patriots from finishing a. 16-0, 16-0, perfect season. And then I saw the line for this game is Eagles minus 14. I, I don't think the Giants... That, that tells me that you're not going to see a lot of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and the best of the best Giants in this game. It looks like the Giants aren't going to do everything they can to keep the Eagles from being the one seed.
3: Yeah, you know, Mike, you you... Originally, my thought was it's going to be hard for Brian Dable to not play all his guys for the full game because it's almost now giant tradition. But I do think that one of the things that is different from 2007 to 2022 is that that was trying to prevent the New England Patriots from having a perfect season. And this year is simply trying to get your guys as healthy as humanly possible uh, for a playoff run that nobody's expecting anything out of the Giants. But I keep saying this, Mike. There's something about this New York Giants team. And look, they could go to San Francisco or Minnesota and lose by 21. But, man, their defense is pretty darn good. Daniel Jones, the run-pass threat... The fact that he's not turning it over. I talked to him last Sunday, and you know he is the the most vanilla quote <coughs> in the NFL. But it's it is very very clear that he understands that Brian Daybol has been not good but great for him. Frank Kafka has been not good but not great for but but great for him, and he understands <coughs> that securing the ball is hugely important. So I only say all that to say, I think the giants believe that on wild card weekend, they're going to have a chance and they want to make sure they have their best chance. Oh, and as it stands, they will go back to Minnesota where that last game was a classic
2: down to the wire 61 yard field goal to win it at the buzzer for the Vikings. So we could get a rematch of that one just a few weeks after it was played Rams at Seahawks rematch of a game played earlier this year, the Rams five and 11, The most losses for any defending Super Bowl champion ever. The Seahawks are favored by six. They're still alive. We've got this this pause in the timing where the Seahawks have to win and then wait and hope the Lions win. And, of course, the Lions would know that they aren't playing for a playoff spot if the Seahawks have won. But the Seahawks need the Lions to win regardless. I'm concerned that the Rams are going to win this game. And I actually picked the Rams yesterday to win this game. Cause I look at Bobby Wagner going back to Seattle and the energy he's going to bring to the Rams. It will overcome the dysfunction right. that has pervaded Baker Mayfield, his closing argument to the NFL at large for a contract next year. And also Peter, and it's already starting. There was a report from Michael McCarthy of front sports.com yesterday that the networks are going to be sniffing around Sean McVay again If I had to bet, I would say he regrets not taking the Bezos money when he had the chance and getting off of a sinking ship. And uh, so this could be his last game. You know, if if you know you're definitely coming back next year, this game has a different vibe than if you think there's a chance that the dominoes are going to fall in a way where you walk away. So you would very much like to
3: walk out the door with a win. But Mike, let's talk about that for a second. Here's why I don't think Sean McVay is going anywhere. Does Jeff Bezos, uh, does he get into the business uh, of televising games of streaming games, excuse me, streaming games so that he has to pay off Kirk Street and he has to then pay Sean McVay 18 million a year. Now, I have no idea what Kirk Herbstreet was was making. I, I I just don't know. But whatever he was making, you know, it's clear that he wasn't working on a one-year contract. So he has to pay Kirk Herbstreet off after Kirk Herbstreet was extremely popular inside Amazon. You know, the people who worked there loved him. Uh the people who did the games loved him. So I And you're not going to have a three-man booth. Al Michaels would never want to have a three-man booth. And so I question. And so without that, without that, you tell me, would Sean McVay go to a studio? They don't pay studio guys no way. $18 million a year. You know, could Drew they Brees do something like Brees the other? Drew Brees found or- out what it's like in a studio. It's not like being in a right. game. Yeah, and not only that, Mike. Not only that, but NBC has has done has done this a few times. They've offered like Jason Witten, Drew Brees, and 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 others, and now Jason Garrett. I I think probably not the same way, but they've said to Jason Witten to Drew Brees, come and do the studio, and come maybe and do Notre Dame, come and do a bunch of things, and then we'll see what happens in a booth. You know, we'll see down the road what happens. You don't know what's going to happen. But but to me, you tell me right now, is ESPN giving Sean McVeigh a job in a booth for a lot, or in a, in a studio for a lot of money? You know, is, is Fox going to do that? Is, is CBS, is NBC going to pay him millions when almost all these networks are retrenching all over the place. So, I, and again, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I agree with your statement that there's a good chance Sean McVay regrets not uh, hitting the lottery when he could one year ago. But now the musical chairs have all been filled. Everybody has very recently paid their number one network analyst huge money. And unless Tom Brady says, hey, listen, I'm giving back this contract. I don't, Fox, you can, let's just rip it up. And then maybe they'll say, okay, well, we'll take Sean McVay over Greg Olson, even though I think Greg Olson did a good job this year. I, I just think, I don't believe that, I think Sean McVay is going to coach the Rams again in 2023. Peter, I agree with everything you're saying. And I broke it down
2: yesterday at PFT. Where are the seats? Where is the money? It's not 2022 For Sean McVay my point is this though to the extent he's thinking about it and doesn't know how it's going to shake out he may be envisioning the possibility that this is his last game he doesn't know that going into it so it's just an extra little thing when you throw that with Mayfield and Wagner I just think this is a dangerous spot for the Seahawks and also to the extent and I know Pete Carroll has said he doesn't care that the Lions and Packers aren't being played at the same time to the extent that that griping may have made its way into the team you, you may have some guys who are pissed off thinking we're going to go win this game and then uh, the Lions aren't going to try to beat the Packers, so what's the point? All it takes is a little bit of that, and it throws you off Kilder and the Rams can win this game. I, and I just think that possibility of McVeigh leaving is enough to get him to yeah. really – I mean, he wants a win anyway, but it's an extra little kick in the ass to try to finish the season with a victory. Lions and Packers, we
3: mentioned that one. Can I just say one go last ahead. thing? Can I say one last thing about this game? I really am interested in what you said right at the top of this. Baker Mayfield's last chance to show uh, Stan Kroenke, Kevin Demoff, Les Snead, Sean McVay. Hey, listen, keep me around. I I think Baker Mayfield is smart enough to know that there's probably a pretty good chance that nobody's paying him. 5 years 150 million. You know, in this off season, he understands that. I think the best place for Baker Mayfield, even if he backs up, is a 1-year deal with the Rams if Sean McVay says to him 2 weeks after the season, "Baker, I'm staying and I want you to come."
2: That's a great point. And look, Matthew Stafford has said he doesn't plan to retire, but he's injured a lot and they may need to have a great backup. They haven't had one in recent years. Lions Packers to wrap up the regular season. I have no qualms about the Lions going out there and biting kneecaps just as if they would if they still were alive for the playoffs. This is the last game of the regular season. Who would have dreamed the Detroit Lions would qualify for the final game of the regular season? They are going to be driven. They are going to be motivated. And, Peter, I like the idea that they're going to know going into the game we're either playing to get into the playoffs or we're playing to keep Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. We don't have to scoreboard watch. We don't have to wonder what's going on in Seattle. Our mandate is clear from the moment the game begins. We know what the Seahawks have done. Let's go either grab a playoff berth of our own Or let's go deny Aaron Rodgers his latest opportunity at the postseason. I kind of like that kind of simple,
3: linear clarity that the Lions are going to have. Not only that, Mike, but I'll tell you the other thing I really do like. I really like Jared Goff uh, trying to cap off what has been, I I don't want to go overboard, but I would call it a wildly successful season. When everybody thought that uh, he was going to end this year on the outside looking in, and the Lions were going to use their two draft picks uh, in the first round to pick the successor to Jared Goff. Look at how Goff has played, Mike. I mean, to me, I think he has rekindled his career in a gigantic way. 29 touchdown passes, 7 interceptions, 66% passing. 100 quarterback rating to me this is the quarterback who the rams drafted to be the long-term quarterback and it isn't always beautiful you know what you always see jared goff when nfl films has the beautiful tight spirals of marino and elway and and all these great quarterbacks now and then you look at so many of golf's balls, and a lot of them have flutter in them. I just, I, I laugh so often at that, but you know what? They may have flutter in them, but they go exactly where they're supposed to in 2022. Congratulations to golf. Whatever happens on Sunday, whether they win, lose, or draw, I think it has been fantastic to see Goff, who's, who's a great guy, rekindle his career.
2: And wouldn't it be something if the team that dropped him like a proverbial hot potato two years ago this month gets that win over the Seahawks, setting Goff up for a win-and-in playoff scenario, a nice little tentacle between the Rams and the Lions. Let's take a break. (laughs) We mentioned earlier the two proposals for dealing with the AFC playoff seeding given the cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game. Are they separate? Are they tied together? How will the owners vote? We've got some more information for you that we've just obtained. We'll tell you what it is when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and
1: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.
2: We talked earlier about what the owners will be voting on today. The two proposals, one for an AFC championship game played at a neutral site based upon certain factors involving the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals, given the cancellation of the Week 17 Bills-Bengals game, and also this kind of weird, clunky idea that if the Ravens beat the Bengals and complete the head-to-head sweep, a potential... Wild card game between the two teams would have home field determined by a coin flip, even if the Bengals are the three seed and the Ravens are the six seed. Those are, according to the league, one resolution. It's not two. So they're going to vote on one resolution that approves both measures. However, however, it can be amended. It can be debated. And that underscores the fact, Peter, that this really is fluid. That this is going to be handed, after everything that happened yesterday, with the league coming up with its solutions and considering all sorts of potential options, settling on what was proposed to the competition committee. The competition committee votes on it, advances it to the owners. It's now theirs. they got to figure out what to do with it. And one of the concerns, is as we've already said, do we change the rules during the season or do we defer to the rule we already have? And then... They can say, we don't like these proposals. We got a different idea that we want to do. We want to do this. We want to do that. We, w- whatever it is, they've got the full power to do it if 24 of them are willing to do so. So that's the real takeaway here. Yes, these two proposals are combined into one. But come noon Eastern, the owners
3: are going to do whatever 24 of them choose to do. I have to believe that the owners are going to say, these are extraordinary times. Uh, and we're going to back our commissioner. That's what I think is going to happen, Mike. But, you know, who knows? We are far enough removed from uh, the horror of, you know, DeMar Hamlin happening that uh, there may be some teams that say, well, hold on a minute. You know, we feel for DeMar Hamlin, but, you know, there are some parts of this that aren't right. I find it hard to believe that there will be nine owners that will vote against this. But, you know, look at what's happening in Washington right now. People find it hard to believe that we've gone X number of days without uh, electing a Speaker of the House. So who knows what will happen? Well,
2: uh, it could be an interesting afternoon. And again, the owners need to realize they're changing the rules during the season. And the argument that i would make if i were one of the people with one of the nine votes that could potentially derail this is why there's no perfect solution it's going to be a bad solution whatever it is why do we not just defer to the rule that's on the books and why are we changing a rule during the season and do we understand what that potentially means we'll take a break show me something draft the final one of the regular season we'll do that when pft live continues right after this
3: One of the things that I had always been told about McDaniels in, in this sort of interregnum between his time in Denver and taking his, this job. Well done, Peter. You have
2: expanded our knowledge of the English language. Again, I'm sure the folks in the UK where the language was born are very happy to hear interregnum today. That was last week. I got the word of the day so far with a rigmarole. Peter will try to top that during the Show Me Something
3: draft for week 18. It begins now. Peter, you are up. Uh, Show me something, Trevor Lawrence. You know, the Jacksonville quarterback has a toe injury. He's not going to be fully healthy. Who knows what modern medical science is going to do to try to help him get through this game. But this is the game that you were brought to Jacksonville to win. Now, a lot of people would say, well, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Winning a bad division is not the game you were brought to Jacksonville to win. You got to take steps. This is Trevor Lawrence's second year and his first year under his savior coach, Doug Peterson. So take the correct steps. The first step is winning a game to win the division And to say, ding dong, the Titans are dead. This is the game that Trevor Lawrence was brought to Jacksonville to win. Very important game for him on Saturday night. He needs to win it. Show me something, Trevor Lawrence.
2: Show me something, Sam Howell. He'll get the start on Sunday in what could be the last game of Daniel Snyder's tenure as owner of the Washington Commanders. And... At a time when NFL teams seem to be rethinking the model of identifying young up-and-coming quarterback, giving him a giant pile of money and hoping for the best and sometimes experiencing something less than the best, why not embrace the possibility that Howell could be the guy for a few years at a very low rate? This is his opportunity to give the commanders something to think about before they embark on their latest quest for someone that they can pay a lot of money to. To not be the answer at quarterback, mid round rookie, affordable deal, opportunity. And given the fact that he looks a little like John Belushi, to put a ball of mashed potatoes in his mouth, punch his cheeks, and spray them all over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. So show me something, <laughs>
3: Sam Howell. Show me something, Jared Goff. And I don't mean to repeat what I just said before, <clears throat> but Jared Goff. This is the time that you need to show the world, a national TV audience, game 272, that it's a new you. You've shown it's a new you the last eight weeks of this season. Mike, how about this? Last eight weeks, Jared Goff, 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Is that the Jared Goff we got to know and love late in his career with the Rams, early in his career with the Lions? No. That is... Is the new and improved Jared Goff, and I think he plays very, very well in Green Bay Sunday night. But I got to see it. Show me something, Jared Goff. Show me something, Tyler Huntley, the fourth alternate at quarterback for
2: the AFC Pro Bowl squad, somehow. Lamar Jackson injured again late in the season, hasn't practiced since that injury happened in early December. In a win over the Broncos that Huntley engineered, it hasn't been pretty. They haven't been great, but they still are in position to finagle with a win on Sunday, a possible home game in the playoffs if they win the coin flip, if they're the sixth seed and the Bengals are the three seed. It's exhausting just to summarize where the stakes are for the Ravens. But it's all irrelevant if the Ravens lose. Tyler Huntley gives them their opportunity to win, and gives the Ravens something to think about, Peter, this offseason when some decisions are going to have to be made about the future short-term and long-term of Lamar Jackson. Show me something, Tyler Huntley, and you may show the Ravens something along the way that they like better than their alternatives at the quarterback position.
3: Show me something, Kenny Pickett. Now, Mike, you may have thought you won this week, with rigmarole, and then coming in on the outside with finagle, but I am <laughs> going to sh- I'm going to see your rigmarole and see your finagle, and I'm going to raise you a super incumbent, okay? Super incumbent, Aha! something that sort of hangs over the festivities, okay? The super incumbent issue on Sunday. Is twofold for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I say, show me something, Kenny Pickett. Okay? And the reason I say show me something, Kenny Pickett, is that hanging over all the festivities are two things. Number one, is Kenny Pickett your guy for the future. You're gonna be playing a good pass rush in a pressure game. Because this pressure game may mean a playoff spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the other thing that is super incumbenting on the festivity Sunday is Mike Tomlin's incredible record. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-8 eight and eight right now. They have never had a losing season in the decade and a half that Mike Tomlin has coached this team. So Kenny Pickett, it's on your shoulders on Sunday. Show me something. Play not only for yourself, for your team, but play for your coach, the always winning Mike Tomlin. Show me something, Lovey
2: Smith. Specifically, show me that you know how to embrace the reality that with just one more loss, the Texans will have the first overall pick in the 2023 draft. And we have a precedent here. It was 2014 when Lovey Smith was coaching the Buccaneers, and all the Bucs had to do was lose one more game to secure the rights to Jameis Winston with the first overall pick in the 2015 draft. And the Buccaneers were leading the Saints by double digits at halftime. And what did Lovey Smith do? He removed half of his starters to the amazement of Sean Payton, who was hearing in his headset <laughs> all of the different numbers that were coming in like a bingo dealer on meth with all the different 21 in for 23 and 27 in for 24. And this one's in for that one. And the reality is this. The first rule of tank club is don't talk about tank club. But there is real benefit <laughs> in being the worst team in football. And, and the Bears are doing their part. By starting Nathan Peterman in their quest to win the first overall pick in the draft. So show me, Lovey Smith, that you're capable of settling into that hot bath of stink and being the team that gets the number one overall pick in the draft next year, even if you may not be the coach come next year. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. There he is. (laughs) There's Sam Howell. I love a good statement, especially when the statement states ultimately nothing at all. That's what Jim Harbaugh did yesterday, issued by the Michigan football program. I have no idea what the future will hold, but I expect to be the coach of Michigan in 2023. It doesn't say anything. He's aware of the rumors. We're all aware of the rumors. He's talked to the Panthers. The Broncos have expressed interest. Other teams may express interest. This says nothing at all. Of any value, Peter, whatsoever. It's not even something that the most ardent Michigan fan could find something in to say it's all fake news and he's not leaving. It's clearly implied that future events could change the reality that he would be the head coach
3: of Michigan in 2023. I have very little to add to Jim Harbaugh's um, dalliance with the NFL, which everybody expects is going to happen, except this one thing. I talked to one team this week and just asked, hey, you have any interest in Harbaugh? This is a team that has a good chance to have a coaching opening. And this person said no. And he proceeded to call Harbaugh a couple of names, (laughs) which shall not be repeated on the air. So he's not universally desired around the NFL right now, I guess we should say.
2: But, Peter, most head coaches could be called a couple of names. That's the one thing that bugs me about this. John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh are a lot alike in a lot of ways. Baltimore has found out a way to coexist with him since 2008. The 49ers couldn't figure out how to work with Jim Harbaugh, and he won. He transformed that team immediately. Can't deny that. It's just going to be fascinating. The coaching carousel will be spinning Come Sunday, Monday, and beyond, we'll see how it goes. Thanks for some of your time. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or.